Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Dogs Program on 3CR, 855 on AM Dial, podcast on the WWWs. It's good to have your company because um, 3CR, Community Radio, has supported the Dogs Program now for well over 30 years. We are the defenders of government schools. Um, we need to do that because they're being attacked all over the place. We discuss public education in Australia and around the world, the issues uh, besetting the children of Australia, uh, the people who wish to destroy public education for all sorts of reasons either financial or ideological, um, seem to continue, and so we have to keep defending and highlighting the issues. There's a fascinating issue um, that's been brought up this, uh, this week, and actually in the financial review of all papers. Every now and then, if you're a regular listener, you'll know we give financial advice when it comes to education. And um, I've been joined in giving advice. Um, 3CR's been joined by the financial review. Mm-hmm. They've got some advice for us as well. Um, but there's also this fantasy that surrounds the concept of financing public schools and financing private schools. The fantasy is that to, for the government to give money to private schools to run their businesses saves the government money. Mm-hmm. Never has, never will, and I wish people would stop saying it. It pops up in comment threads on the age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you give money to a private ed- institution, it will do things more efficiently and effectively and accountably. Um, this is patently untrue across all fields of human endeavour, not least water, but education is certainly not one of them. Um, we'll be discussing that in some detail. Chris Bonner, a friend of the Dogs Program, has written a very interesting article in this last week. It's worth highlighting that. And we'll be travelling briefly overseas to find out well, on what on earth Betsy DeVos um, Donald Trump's education secretary has been up to and of course we'll be finishing with the best thing of all which is a great state school we always like to finish with something great and state and schooly so we're going to have a great state school and now of course is that time of the day it's Jean's press release number what is it Jean? 821 821 if you're interested in Jean's press release and you want to give you want to check some details because you're not quite sure what you're saying is right we love it when people do that you can of course on our website www.adogs.info where this press release will be proudly sitting there on top of a list of 800 and something or other other ones on just, just, just beneath it. But, Jane, tell us all about it. State aid to the private sector has led to a fantasy land in educational and financial accountability. And here's George Orwell for you. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. George Orwell, 1984. 
One of the fantasies, of course, amongst a lot of private school people is that public school teachers and even university lecturers are all ideological. They call them strange lefties. The real problem, of course, is that more and more our politicians and others uh, are practising universal deceit and are themselves um, very, very ideological. But here's our press release. In February 2019, that's a few months ago, a coalition-dominated parliamentary committee was set up by the, co- uh, by the coalition, criticised the inadequate administration of tens of billions of dollars in federal funds and said that the money was not being distributed in a transparent and accountable way to the schools throughout Australia. This committee suggested it was difficult to know if the funding was ultimately going to students based on need. The committee's criticisms merely echoed numerous Auditor-General's reports at both federal and state levels of the last 10 years relating to inadequate accountability for billions and billions and billions of dollars of taxpayers' money. Now, this is actually a very serious matter in a democracy of ministerial responsibility. If ministerial responsibility is still relevant in the current Australian political and privatised educational systems. This latest report was not even a criticism from the opposition, or the teacher unions or the Auditor General. The criticism came from the Coalition's own parliamentary committee. Now, it was a report from the Public Accounts Committee and it merely recommended laws to be strengthened to ensure funding was being doled out effectively and in line with the national priorities and legal requirements. But in educational funding, as in so many areas of urgent public policy, and we've seen this with bushfires and water in recent weeks, but also education, we are confronted in Australia with two tactics, diversion and fantasy. Blame and even accountability was diverted down the line to teachers, in this case, by Tian, while fantasy led to suggestions that education systems best address, listen to this, Education systems best address the educational needs of their students and the Department of Education was already doing reasonable and risk-based monitoring. This this just defies logic, facts and common sense. So, first of all, I'd like to talk about this diversion of Mr Tian, the Education Minister in Canberra. In its response to the committee, quietly released during the week, it wasn't a big deal, Fergus Hunter from The Age informs us that the government said that it does not agree with the recommendation, arguing that there should be an appropriate level of scrutiny that allowed schools to focus on teaching and reducing red tape for teachers was a priority of the government. So they're just stepping aside from any responsibility and saying, well, it doesn't really matter and we don't even want the teachers to worry too much about funding. The coalition government also rejected a bipartisan call for more scrutiny of school funding in the same week that Australia slipped down 
the OECD International Educational Scale with the PISA results. Australian children no longer even reach the OECD average in maths and they've fallen behind in science and reading as well. So that's the diversion. Just say that really it's up to the teachers and you don't want them to be worried with too much red tape. We're dealing with billions of dollars of public money, your money, my money here. Now the fantasy. According to Chris Bonner, part of the coalition and even the Labor fantasy is that school reforms can be pushed and succeed regardless of the context and certainly regardless of how we provide and resource our systems of schools. And this is underpinned by a belief that schools exist in isolation from each other and stand apart from what happens around them. But the settings in which schools operate, the whole framework of schools, really matters. Now, a bit later, Robert will be telling you more about what Chris Bonner has to say about the fantasy. But dogs have their own view of all of this, which differs a little from Chris Bonner's. We agree that schools do not exist in isolation, but we disagree with Chris Bonner and others who've become hooked on a false belief that some kind of needs policy and subsidisation of private education can or should succeed. In truth... The truth, the revolutionary truth of the matter, is that public and private are diametrically opposed systems. Never the twain can or should meet. Taxpayer funding of education depends upon what kind of society you want to produce for the next generation. That's the real context we should be talking about that nobody wants to talk about. The public system is open to all children and is the cornerstone of a democratic state. But the private system segregates children on the basis of class, creed and ethnicity and is the basis of an unequal, oligarchic or autocratic state. By providing state aid to private, segregated schools, we are dividing our children and moving from a democratic to an autocratic state. And I believe that some of the fantasy and diversion that our current governments in the Western democracies are practising on their taxpayer citizens is a symptom of this movement from a democratic to an autocratic state. The twain can never meet, as I said before, and it's a fantasy to think otherwise. Now, there was a reaction to the report in The Age about the way Mr Tien reacted to his own committee's report, and there were some very interesting um, reactions indeed in the comments. And I'd like uh, to refer you to some of these, and Dale will read them out to you. But first, let's have a little bit of music, and then over to Dale. Justice for Alicia, Rock Against Violence. Tonight, Saturday the 21st of December at the Workers' Club, join us 
as Melbourne's most rambunctious rock and roll rebels roll up their sleeves to raise the roof, awareness and much needed funds for Domestic Violence Research Centre Victoria and the Women's Information Referral Exchange. With an increase in domestic violence affecting our community, these outstanding support services are vital to Safe Place Connection, which saves lives, and they need our support. Come to the Workers' Club on the corner of Brunswick and Gertrude Streets, Fitzroy. 3CR's Stinky Girl kicks off the fun at 7, followed by Lindsay Kingswood, Aluminium Monster, Rusted Tongue, Ramshackle Army and the Murder Balls. Justice for Alicia. It is a call for a statewide cooperation between Australian justice systems towards increased perpetrator accountability. Change in legislation will help save lives. So come along to the Workers' Club tonight and support the push for a change in legislation and justice for Alicia. Welcome back to the DOGS program. You're listening to the Defence of Government Schools on 3CR Community Radio. And, uh, yes, I'm just uh, going to read some comments now that uh, we're in response to uh, the article Jean has just been speaking about. Uh, Neil uh, responded by saying, the only the LNP coalition would ever be able to conclude that Commonwealth grants of any magnitude to elite private schools is needs-based funding. Unfortunately, to many wealthy Australians, this is fair. To the rest of the world, it's utter bunkum. And then uh, Blast said, uh, the Treasurer can't do maths. Angus Taylor can't do maths. Australian kids can't do maths. The only thing that adds up is that educated people don't vote Liberal. And then Chris says, uh, the public reporting of public expenditure should be standard practice in all areas of government. There is no reason it would add to red tape for teachers. The Victorian Department of Education and Training has already has already has its school funding details on its websites. So I don't see why other systemic authorities can't do the same. My school should allow should also show the amounts given to schools for each mainstream student and for each disadvantaged student rather than have one misleading figure for all students. Teachers would not have done would not have to do one extra thing to provide this information. The systemic authorities already know it because they hand out the funds. And then Tuppy says, so the LNP committee suggested it was difficult to know if the funding was ultimately going to the students based on need. This is bizarre. The federal government gives a lot of money to wealthy private schools who, objectively, do not need the money. These schools raise tens of thousands in fees already. Then they're saying it's difficult to know what's going on. Are they catatonic? And Hubert says, how good is this government at avoiding scrutiny, accountability and above all, taking action? (laughs) And the owl and the pussycat says, uh, we know how the money is being distributed. One, private schools get the first serve. Two, Catholic and independent schools get, get the second go at the buffet. And three, public schools get the leftovers. 
It's getting worse and no better. Well, there you are. It's very interesting. However, ordinary people are not getting higher wages and the cost of living is going up even though interest rates are going down, which means that those who depend upon interest rates for their income are becoming poorer and poorer. And the banks have been under scrutiny. Nobody's really been sent to jail for the almost criminal activities, well, in some cases, criminal activities they have, they have engaged in, but the banks are sending out very interesting recommendations on how uh, people should assess whether or not people can pay their debts. And Robert might like to give you his financial advice from the Financial Review. Thank you very much, Jean. Yeah, you're listening to The Dogs Bagging here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. Yeah, I was promising before, it's fascinating. Um, <clears throat> banks in Australia are universally on the nose and have lots of problems and are a big mess and there's been a Royal Commission and they do bad things and now they've decided to do the right thing apparently and that is to say we're not going to lend you money unless you're financially responsible and that's what banks are supposed to be saying so they're saying that now which is very nice but it's interesting what comes under the heading of financially responsible these days because finance, you know, maybe you've got to save up your money and get a good deposit and then get a good job and what was it that said, oh, you know, if you can't, if you can't get a, a good job, then, um, then just wait and um, get a good job. I think there was a minister who said, yeah, get a better job and borrow some money from a mum and dad or something. I, I, anyway, but all of that comes how under... How you spend your money, whether you're well, responsible, is how you spend your money. Well, no, so, of course, once you get all your money, you've got to be responsible. So how can you demonstrate that you're a responsible person to a bank? Well, according to... Um, the banks these days, one of the criteria is to cancel your Netflix sub- sub- subscription. If you've got Netflix on, then of course you're not you're wasting money on entertainment, so that's not very responsible. Another one is um, uh, send your child to a state school. Um, if you're not responsible, then you'll be spending money on private schools. That's a waste of everyone's money, as everyone knows. So you should be sent, sending your child to a, a state school and not spending stupid private school fees, uh, according to the banks, and then they'll lend you some money. Um, uh, to quote from an article by James Frost uh, on the front page of the Financial Review on the Tuesday, the 10th of December, I should say, uh, lenders should be asking customers to prove they can save money and afford loans by sending their children to public schools or cancelling their Netflix subscriptions under new responsible lending guidelines released just this week gone by. The guidelines are aimed at clarifying the obligations of lenders after a series of contradictory messages emerged from the courts and the Royal Commission over the past couple of years, which, of course, climates in the Stakes and Shiraz judgment in August. I think that's referring to the fact that, you know, if people are going around buying, you know, fillet steaks and drinking lots and lots of Shiraz, and you really shouldn't be lending the money if they're in debt. You know, sort of makes sense. But it's interesting that um, sending your child to a private school is now on the hit list of the banks when it comes to lending your money. So a bit of financial advice there. Fascinating stuff. But we'll be turning more, actually, I think, with Chris Bonner's words, because... Um, his concept of school fixes and fantasies I think is worth exploring a little more, but we'll do that after this.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on AM Dial and podcast on the www.3cr.org.au. at 3cr.org.au. Um, Chris Bonner, interesting fellow. Um, Gene doesn't agree with everything he says, and I can't say I do either, but he does come up with some really pithy stuff um, when it comes to outlining the problems. I mean, the solutions aren't what Gene would agree with, because Gene and, and I here are the dogs. We say no state aid to private schools. The solution to the problem, just do it. Is it a political reality at the moment? No. Is it a possibility? Well, yes, it is, actually, because the Financial Times tells me it is. Anyway, Chris Bonner, on the other hand, in an article published on 16th of December on his website, says that, amongst other things that were endorsed um, in a new vision document called the Alice Springs Education Declaration this this year. Uh, by the way, the Alice Springs Declaration is a new term that replaces the Melbourne Declaration of 2008. Now, such declarations might indicate change in priorities, but they certainly don't seem to guide action. Indeed, as Darren, Jane Caro and um, Steve Bonner said, oh, I don't know, back in 2018, if the Melbourne Declaration was some sort of commercial contract, the signatories would all be called to account. Yes, we've got, you've got rhetoric, but the really frightening situation is where, where you don't even have the rhetoric anymore, Robert. So at least with these declarations in Australia, we still have a bit of rhetoric. We know it's a long way away from reality. But the idea is still there. It's when you don't even have any ideas anymore, just blatant self-interest, that it becomes really scary. Yes, well, the Alice Springs Declaration, or um, to use the Indigenous words, and I hope I'm saying this appropriately, um, if I'm not, I mean no no disrespect, um, Mapantwe Declaration um, states two general goals for education in Australia. The first is that the Australian education system, singular which I think is an interesting thing to say, should promote excellence and equity, and that all young Australians should become confident and creative individuals, successful lifelong learners, and active and informed community members. Great. There are two, these are actually two quite laudable priorities, but the problem is this. The methods we use to achieve the first usually end up and undermine the second. Our decades-long focus on prescription, standardisation, on testing, on accountability, seem to have done nothing to create confident and creative individuals, done very little to create successful lifelong learners, and almost nothing (coughs) to create an active and informed community members um, engaged in education over, over a lifetime. Quite the reverse. There's no shortage of indicators of students' disengagement from learning, from school and from the, commu- from, from the community. And that's not just students, that's adults as well. Because once you get out of the system, you go, oh, I'm not going back there again. Mm. Now, has anything changed, asked Chris Bonner. Not much, he answers his own question, if media reports emerging from the Education Council of Ministers are any guide. As part of the learning progressions focus, a suite of online tests will track each child's learning, which will be linked to... Guess what? Assessment. A new math curriculum will be fast-tracked. Phonics is back, by the way, uh, which I'm sure my aunt will be very pleased about. I am too. And universities are once again bashed over their teacher training sort of programs. So you've got to produce better teachers. You've got to do more with less. That's what we're all about. Well, a lot of them have left teacher training. Melbourne University doesn't do undergraduate teacher training anymore, does it? No. They've got rid of the old teachers' colleges, which had accumulated knowledge of 
the old teaching uh, procedures of over 100 years. Um, yes, I think the Catholic University is the one that's producing large numbers of teachers now, isn't it? Um, in and in Melbourne, yeah, but in other places it's different. Look, in fairness, says Chris Bonner, some of, the, some of this is needed, and indeed it reflects the priorities of the Gonski 2.0 review. I mean, I actually personally think that teacher training, they're doing so much good with what they have, they just need more in terms of the teacher training process. Also, teacher training process, the average lifespan of a trained teacher in the workforce in Australia is three years. So we keep training them, but they keep leaving because the job itself is such a mess. The job itself is so difficult. The teachers, you know, fresh out of teachers, this is one of I'm a time seekers. Three years. Three years is the average period of time that a teacher trainee will stay in the workforce which means that you know if it's an average half of the teachers aren't even staying three years after getting there after spending all that time getting their degrees at the Australian Catholic University or anywhere else it doesn't really matter that's actually the problem it's a combination of teacher training and the and the practice of teaching itself and how that can be supported but is this as good as it gets says Chris the state and federal ministers are certainly happy. The federal education minister, Mr. Tan, declared that reforms were a game changer for education. <laughs> ministers have been saying this about school reforms now, well, ever since I've been alive, which is a few decades. So many of the so-called school reforms have been deforms. They have been deforming the system. They have been uh, taking the and bashing the the um, central administrations, which should be assisting teachers, and the, sending the teachers out unassisted. Uh, and of course, they're leaving the the system, aren't they? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that Chris Bonner would agree with you in large part. He said little has changed. What we're actually left with when nothing really happens each time someone says this is wonderful new reform with game changer, is we're left with an ongoing commitment to doing more of the same and an ongoing commitment to the fantasy that it might do something better. Now, part of this fantasy is that school reforms can be pushed and can succeed regardless of context and certainly regardless of how we provide the resources, our systems to the, the resources and systems to the school. It is underpinned by the belief that schools exist in isolation from each other and stand apart from what happens around them. But the setting in which schools operate, the whole framework of schools, Actually, that is what really matters. And like Chris Bond, I think, would agree with you there. So it's about the system. Well, they've turned the schools against each other with their whole ideology. And this is where ideology does matter, um, of, of competition rather than working together for the good of the next generation. And the best way to do this was proved in the 19th century with a centralised system with supports, administrative supports. Instead of this, we now have... Uh, autonomous schools with enormous administrative loads placed upon them and the teachers can't get on with teaching. Well, it ironically does not happen in the majority of private schools in Australia because, for instance, all the Catholic schools in Australia have a centralised administration which hands out the funding which the government gives to them in the first place. And they can do whatever they like. incredibly it. administratively top-heavy, the Catholic education system. But as Chris says, rather than restate a problem, here's a little narrative about a country, not Australia, that forgot the lesson. That forgot the lesson that Chris has been saying and actually suffered the consequences and decided to do something about that as a problem. Now, in 1981, Chile started 
to allow schools to charge fees and select students. Up until 1981, all schools for all people, if you lived in an area, you went to the school, you know, just a standard state education system, nothing like what we have here in Australia, but you have an education system paid for by the government. If it doesn't work, it's the government's fault. The government gets voted out. Simple stuff. Politics. Politics, education, everything's linked up. Accountability goes to the minister. But in 1991, Chile said, no, we're going to allow schools to charge fees and to select students and to exclude students. The inevitable result was enrolment segregation. Bang, straight up, based on students' socioeconomic background. Rich kids started to go into schools with full of other rich kids, and poor kids started to go to school with other poor kids. This was Thatcherism under Pinochet. Remember Pinochet, the man who had a whole lot of people disappeared? Very autocratic system. Mm, all hand in hand with poor overall achievement. So nothing mm. actually got better. Mm. Nothing, and this is the point, nothing in terms of education in Chile got any better. Some kids did better, a lot of kids did worse, so overall, nothing in terms of the system was achieved. This is 18th century economics in the 21st hmm. century. Now, the extent of such as segregation became one of the most noticeable in the world. The Consequences of such trends are well illustrated in Pearls and Irritation's article in respect to Colombia and arguably illustrated in Chile by recent civil unrest. Uh, for the last four or five years, Chile has been having riots in the streets mm. and the rioters are the students. It's the kids actually saying, we, this is just not fair. Now, efforts to reduce this segregation in Chile began in 2008 okay, with a law that boosted funding for poor schools. So the problem was that you segregated them out, so what we're going to do is we're going to boost funding for the poor schools. A new law in 2016 is phasing out selective admissions, so schools don't get to choose who they enrol anymore, including those based on parent interviews, and abolishing top-up fees among subsidised schools, so banning the charging of fees in schools. It includes incentives for compliance and additional resources for the lowest SES students. Now, the effect of these changes as analysed by the Brookings Institute, have already been significant. In 2008, student test scores in all types of schools improved. But the improvement was greatest among public and non-fee-charging private schools. The size of the income-based test score gap declined by at least one-third. And as the Brookings Institute analysis concludes, the Chilean experiment revealed the importance of equitable institutional arrangements. That is to say... An institution that is responsible for education, that is at its heart an equitable institution. So it can enforce the nature of what's going on in each of the individual schools. Now, marginal interventions, fiddling at the edges like we do here in Australia, on the other hand, amounted to a complete waste of time and money and energy. Does this sound familiar? Current trends in Australia have much in common with Chile's recent past, but our efforts to achieve a breakthrough have little in common with Chile's present, and indeed Chile's likely future. It is easy to get the impression that efforts such as those arising out of the Education Council of Ministers meeting might just amount to more, of course, wasted energy. Yeah, I just think that's a fascinating thing, because the Chile situation has come full circle. Like in the last, since, since we've been on air here in the Dogs Program, the whole thing with Chile has turned around. They had what we have. They thought that wasn't good enough because it was not, and the results were failing them. And then they tried to turn it around, and in part they're succeeding. Here in Australia, 
we've just had the PISA results come out. And we have now, we are now in a situation in 2019 where a child in year nine in Australia today is one year less well-educated than a child in year nine in Australia in the year 2000. Compared to ourselves, we are less well-educated. Private education has never done a good job of educating all the nation's children. Not interested. Never were. But we'll be returning with more after this. Justice for Alicia, Rock Against Violence. Tonight, Saturday the 21st of December at the Workers' Club, join us as Melbourne's most rambunctious rock and roll rebels roll up their sleeves to raise the roof, awareness and much-needed funds for Domestic Violence Research Centre Victoria and the Women's Information Referral Exchange. With an increase in domestic violence affecting our community, these outstanding support services are vital to Safe Place Connection, which saves lives, and they need our support. Come to the Workers' Club on the corner of Brunswick and Gertrude Streets, Fitzroy. 3CR's Stinky Girl kicks off the fun at 7, followed by Lindsay Kingswood, Aluminium Monster, Rusted Tongue, Ramshackle Army and the Murder Balls. Justice for Alicia. It is a call for a statewide cooperation between Australian justice systems towards increased perpetrator accountability. Change in legislation will help save lives. So come along to the Workers' Club tonight and support the push for a change in legislation and justice for Alicia. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on AM Dial and podcast on the WWWs. Look, it's really great to have your company here today. We've been racing through the issues, haven't we? Um, we've been to Chile. We've been through the educational issues of Australia. I'm going to take us off just briefly to the United States of America. Um, actually, I should change that. The States of America. Um, Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos is someone we've been talking about for some time. Uh, we have to. She's the Education Secretary under the presidency of Donald Trump. Uh, Betsy DeVos is not interested in public education in America. Um, I'm not saying this to sort of badmouth her. Um, I'm saying it's because it's what she says. Uh, she's not interested in it. Um, she's interested in privatising it all. Um, she comes from a very wealthy family. The Amway fortune, actually. You know Amway, that, 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 that parag- paragon of moral virtue <laughs> company that it is. Sorry, I just... I almost, <laughs> as, as a small child, they tried to recruit me into Amway when I was a teenager... And um, pretty, oh, gee, that was slick and nasty. Oh, that was, it was yucky. Anyway, um, forget about Amway. Let's come back to Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos um, has, has a bit of a setback in the United States because she wants to set up a voucher system. Now, voucher systems, as we know, functionally what we have here in Australia, um, basically create all sorts of terrible problems when it comes to education and in America South create, Resegregation. It's a resegregated society in many of the states of America, principally because um, people can send their children to white schools or black schools or, 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 or Latino schools as much as they like because that's what a voucher system is, allows you to do. It allows you to segregate on the basis of any situation you like, be it the colour of your skin or your um, religious profile. Anyway, even Republicans don't go for this. Even Republicans. She put in a $5 billion request for vouchers, but it was knocked back by Democrats and Republicans alike. But 
That would be good news, except Congress approved $440 million of Betsy's charter school slush fund. Because charter schools are a different way of slicing the cake. Voucher systems are where the money gets there. A charter school is a, pub, a privately run public institution. If that makes any sense anymore. Well, we have them with the prison system here, don't we? More I'm, just, I'm just trying to work it out. There, there, there was a time back in the 90s or something when that sort of made sense, but now in 2019, if you really think about it, no. You're contracting what something out. What privately run public institution has proven successful over even half a generation? I can't think of one. Oh, the power system, no, that's not successful. The water system, no, that's not successful. <laughs> um, just, I, can't, I can't think of one. I mean, this is a genuine question, listeners. If you can think of a privately run public institution that's been successful over just half a generation. Telstra? Yeah, no. That's half and half. It's in a terrible mess. No, no, that's, no that, that, mm. that hasn't worked. Mm. Yeah, can't, I can't think of one. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, that, that's what a charter school is um, in the United States. Um, and she's got, a, she's got a slush fund for it. Um, Diane Ravitch calls it a swamp. <laughs> and a waste and an abuse and a network of public education has demonstrated that this whole thing is just a mess. Um, there's $1 billion in federal funds that are being wasted on charter schools that either ne- never opened or closed within 12 months of opening. We've got a, a version of it with our VET schemes, haven't we? That we do. That with the privately run TAFE colleges. That's right. A $19 billion black hole here in Australia. Now, in America, the um, House of Representatives, which is controlled by the Democrats, controlled by the Democrats, wanted to cut um, the charter school program to $400 million, which is $400 million too much, just by the way. But the Senate, controlled by Republicans, negotiated back to a level of funding than it was before. Now, the charter school program was created by the Clinton administration, believe it or not, mm. back in 1994. I think, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Bill Gates has something to do with it too. Yeah, Bill mm. Gates likes private-public partnerships because mm. yeah, he's got lots of money. Yeah, so we have a lot of private-public partnerships uh, with the actual building of our public schools here in Victoria, mm. and uh, that's going to blow out in another ten years or so. Anyway, Betsy DeVos has turned this 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 money, this 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 four hundred four hundred million dollars, into a giant slush fund, a big fat plum for corporate charter chains, uh, which there are, of course, because it's not just one. There's money in this. Oh, there's serious there's money, money in it. In it which are not start-ups and which are already richly endowed and funded by billionaires to start with. Uh, most of them, of course, right-wingers. At present, the federal government is the single biggest funder, funder of charter schools in the nation, even in states that don't want them or need them, like New Hampshire, where Betsy gave the state $46 million to double the number of charter schools, even though the, the state itself didn't want any charter schools. But the State Legislative Fiscal Commission said, no, keep your money, we don't want it. We don't want your charter schools. Give us $46 million for education, mm. but don't tie it to some public-private partnership that we don't want. Um, Congress showed its lack of concern for accountability, and that's that, and that, the whole thing is just a bit of a mess. Now, what we're saying here is that with, with, with New Hampshire, so you can have money to educate kids, but only if you give it to a private company first, and then they educate the kids. You can't just, as, 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 as a state, as, as a civilization, as a country, as a society, organize the education of your own children. You have to go through a private company before you do anything else. 
But this is in fact how things have been operating in Australia since the 1960s. The federal government is the main funder of private schools in Australia and it gives the money to the state governments to give to the private schools and the Catholic Education Office, of course, through what is known as Section 96 of the Constitution. These are tied grants. The money comes through from Canberra and then it is given hollis bollis to the private schools to spend as they wish. It's the same kind of thing as what's going on in the United States with the charter schools. So um, in some respects, America is behind Australia in this privatisation of education. And um, the dogs are saying that it doesn't work because Australia is falling behind the rest of the world in its education of its children. It's amazing. The numbers are on the, the numbers are on the board. I mean, part of being, I don't know, part of being a conservative country, which it can be argued that Australia is. Australia is a conservative country. I mean, you know, conservative governments, I mean that in the truest sense a conservative country is that we like to remain in the ruck. In fact, many of the arguments that are made by politicians overseas is we don't want to stick our necks out. We don't want to do too much climate change abatement because, you know, then we'll be ahead of the pack. We want to stay in the middle. But what's happening in Australia is that we're on the edge. We're on the ragged edge. Certainly when it comes to the environment, what's just happened in Spain is actually one of the great horrors of Australian politics. We are now international pariahs. We are right-wing on the on the bleeding edge of, of of totalitarianism when it comes to press freedoms, when it comes to the environment, and when it comes to education funding. We are Chile in nineteen eighty one. We are not in the middle of anything anymore. We are on the ragged edge and we are seen that way by the rest of the world. But the like fact that we want to see ourselves that way internally well, it's not. We're the conservatives. We are. The we bl- wish to conserve what Australia had. No, we are here dealing uh, with radical economics um, from the 1980s and the result of it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not. We are no longer a conservative country, even if you think that's a good thing. And quite frankly, I'm probably a little left-leaning myself, um, and so I'll be pushing the other way. But yeah, we something shifted. Something shifted in the last generation, and we are a mess, and we need to fix it. Which of course is why we had 3CR. But I'm going to finish on something really nice because we're going to finish with a great state school because it's come to that time of year and it's a fascinating time of year when all the VCE results come out. And I think it's absolutely... Because this year, more than any other year, if a child does well in VCE, they're from a state school. But if a child does well in VCE from a private school, it's not the child that's done well. It's the school the children and their marks have been marketed to such an extent. I've I've been looking at the papers at all the wonderful private schools that have done well in the VCA. No, it's not. It's the frigging kids. And I'm going to talk about a school that did really well in the VCA, um, and it's Box Hill High School. And Box Hill High, I'm talking about the school now, but it's the kids in it that actually matter. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. The great state school for the week is Box Hill High. Now, 
I know it's a bit ironic because I'm talking about Boxwell High as a great school. It's actually a great environment that's allowed children to succeed. And certainly when it comes to the VC results, there are some children at, at, at Box Hill who have done very well. I'm not going to name their names um, because that's a bit rude. But congratulations to all the kids that got the ATAR scores that they wanted. And Box Hill High School is one of those places where you can get the ATAR scores you want. And you know what? The whole thing costs 12 grand a year. Oh. To me, the taxpayer per kid per year, 12,000. That's 4,000 bucks under the odds. This place is a bargain. This place is turning out really nice kids, getting results that they want using the school and the school using them together as a community, parents and the, parents and the teachers and the kids all working together to create a situation where they are supported. Now, the school's ICSI value is quite high. I mean, there's a lot of really rich kids there. There's a few poor kids and there's a lot of kids in the middle. But quite frankly, what they do with their time there from grade 7 to 12 is actually, I think, just absolutely great. Because the way they describe themselves, the purpose of this school, they say, is to educate, educate, to draw out the highest potential in all individuals within the school community. And we're going to do this by working together and supporting the kids and actually listening to what the kids have to say about their own learning. They value and promote students to have a love of learning, a thirst for knowledge, a desire to contribute to the community and a pride in themselves and a pride in their schools. Um, that's it. They're words, but they do it. <laughs> and they do it year on year on year on year on year. I mean, I could tell you what their NAPLAN results are. Um, the NAPLAN results are, are stinkingly, stonkingly brilliant. So the kids in Year 9 are doing absolutely fine. They're doing great in Year 7, but they're doing better in Year 9 than they are in Year 7, which means that they arrive there with a certain set of skills, and when they are there, they grow with those skills. The VCE results, there's a lot of kids at a Box Hill High School that have the ATARs they want to get into the courses they need to progress their lives the way they think they want to do it at the moment. Or maybe they don't quite know what they want to do because they're just kids. Um, That's the sort of place the Box Hill is. It is in stark contrast, and, I, and normally I don't bring you into sort of comparisons when I'm talking about a great school. It is in stark contrast to the press coverage over the last week in Victoria when it comes to the VCE, which I personally find immensely distasteful. There are a very large number of very well-funded private schools which are using this entire thing as a marketing exercise. It's not about the kids. No, 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 no. It's about the number of kids in a school that got a thing of a thing of a thing over 40 or da 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 da. Now, there's not a single article that I've seen about a state school that talks about that. When it comes to state school kids, it's about wonderful state school kids triumphing against adversity or something. It's it's the exception proves the rule, state school kids, bunkum. Absolute bunkum. I don't give a damn how much Halibri pays Channel 9 to put ads in the age and the editorial content. It shouldn't be enough. The Herald Sun is also guilty of this. Such and such a private school has done very, very well. I don't give a damn. I want to know about the kids because that's what the VCE results. The Victorian Certificate Education for a Child. And Box Hill High, you're the place that I'd like to go if I was a kid, quite frankly, if I was in the east of Melbourne, because you guys are awesome. Um, and I don't go to this school because I'm old and I'm all wrinkly. And quite frankly, I'm very pleased because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a tightwad. I don't like spending money on education. And if actually, I'd give the exact number, $12,315 per kid per year at Box Hill in a secondary school. That's primary school numbers, okay? 
these guys are saving me so much money. It's really cool. Um, if you're a parent there, okay, there are, and interestingly enough, as part of this process, fees, charges, and parents' contributions, they do a lot of fundraising at this school. This school does an amazing amount of fundraising because they fundraise over $2,000 per kid, which means the government's only coughing up about 10000 which makes it even better value for me when it comes to all that sort of stuff. So I have to say right now, the Great State School for the week in this special VCE week, it of course has to be a secondary college, it has to be one that has produced some kids with extraordinary results. Um, and just if you get a result that was what you want, that's what you need, and that's what makes a great state school. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really school. concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. You've got, like, you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got vis- physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? It's actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive great Positive relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. You've been listening to the Dogs Program. The Dogs, we are the defenders of government schools here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. You've been listening to myself, Rob, and Jean, and Dale, as we come to you every week to bring you the news, reviews, and issues when it comes to education in Australia here on 3 Community Radio, 3CR. You can, of course, if you listen to a podcast, you've got it to us already, but if you do want to listen to us on a podcast, um, it's www.3cr.org. And if you want to get to it a different way, you can check us out at our website at www.adogs.info. Or if you have a great state school and you want to tell us about it, just say, hey, Rob, can you do a review of X school or Y school or whatever school you like around Australia? You can call 94198377 during office hours. Uh, which I think are truncated over the Christmas period, but that's all right. Next week um, on the on the Dogs Program, we'll have a repeat of our wonderful climate rally ep- episode over Christmas. So if you want to relive those wonderful memories on the Dogs Program next week, please do, because it was just one of those special things that our producer Darwin went out and got for us that we'd love to share with you once more. But until then, it's bye for now.
dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe, they shot you, Joe, says I, takes more than guns to kill a man. Says Joe, I didn't die. Says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill, went on to organize. Went on to organize from San Diego up to Maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize. It's there you find your hill. It's there you find your hill. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. Justice for Alicia, Rock Against Violence. Tonight, Saturday the 21st of December at the Workers' Club, join us as Melbourne's most rambunctious rock and roll rebels roll up their sleeves to raise the roof, awareness and much-needed funds for Domestic Violence Research Centre Victoria and the Women's Information Referral Exchange. With an increase in domestic violence affecting our community, these outstanding support services are vital to Safe Place Connection, which saves lives, and they need our support. Come to the Workers' Club on the corner of Brunswick and Gertrude Streets, Fitzroy. 3CR's Stinky Girl kicks off the fun at 7, followed by Lindsay Kingswood, Aluminium Monster, Rusted Tongue, Ramshackle Army and the Murder Balls. Justice for Alicia. It is a call for a statewide cooperation between Australian justice systems towards increased perpetrator accountability. Change in legislation will help save lives. 
So come along to the Workers' Club tonight and support the push for a change in legislation and justice for Alicia. Summertime. Summertime brings wine. Pass me my Prosecco. Out on patio. This year's delicious Radical Radio wines are generously sponsored by Breast's Winery in the Harcourt Valley. Specially priced at only $20 a bottle and even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. You can order via phone or online and collect it from 3CR during business hours up until noon on Tuesday the 24th of December. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR. Call the station during business hours on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Breast Wines is a 3CR supporter.